My name is Fred. I am the lead pastor. Um, And here's what I hope happens today. I, I hope that as we go through God's word today, I hope that you will leave this place with more faith and trust in Jesus than you walked in, right? I I hope in particular that you will not only have more faith and trust in Jesus today than you did yesterday, but you'll have more tomorrow than you did today. And, And here's what I've been praying for. I know all of us are coming into this place today carrying lots of stuff, right? We're carrying pain, we're carrying hurt, we're carrying offense, we're carrying stress, we're carrying anxiety. We are carrying all kinds of stuff. And today, I've been praying that today you would take something very specific, maybe something you didn't even know you were carrying before you walked into this place, whether here or online, that you will give that to Jesus in a very real way today that we're going to see in our passage. And we're going we're gonna to unpack that. Right, and so, so that's what I've been praying that would happen. Now, if you're here this morning and you have kids or you're watching online and kids, whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult and you want to kind of engage well, with this sermon in a creative way, we have this thing called interactive family worship that we do. And so we always give a prompt for families or for anybody that likes to, that is kind of like a visual thinker. And, and, and what we want to do is, as we've been going through this series called Questions, where we look at the questions that Jesus asked, we're going to, we always see a little bit more of who Jesus is and something specific about who Jesus is. And so that's what we want you to do today. We want you to write the words, Jesus is, and then draw lines uh, on, on the piece of paper and kind of, kind of lines for you to fill in the blank. Because as I go through the message today, what you're listening for is, is as Jesus is, what shines forth from Jesus this week? What, 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 what do we see in Jesus this week? What, do we, what, what are names that are given to Jesus? What does he do? And I want you to fill in those blanks as we go through this. Now, as they're getting settled in doing this, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the expression, what are the odds? Right? Well, like, have you ever caught yourself saying it when when something happens? Like, what are the odds that that happened? Like, maybe you're watching a random YouTube video, right? Like, Like this one, right? Like a family sitting down for dinner, and then this happens. Watch this. You're sitting there enjoying dinner. Everything's good. Kid looks up, notices something. It's odd that he's the only one that notices something. But boom, ceiling fan falls, hits nobody. What are the odds, right? That's, that's what happens when we say, well, it's something that's just amazing. And we see it and we go, what are the odds? Or like this one, this dad save. I don't know if you can see that from where you are, but there is a bat flying through the air and the dad puts out his hand to protect the kid on his phone, of course, to protect the kid from getting nailed directly in the face by the bat. And we see that and we go, what are the odds, right? Like, like, like what are the odds? That, that's, that's that phrase that, that we're going to keep coming back to because we watch these and we go, what are the odds? Has, has anything happened in your life where you've gone, what are the odds that that happened? Like when I taught school my first summer off, I went backpacking across Europe because I was like, I've got the summer off? This is incredible. And so off to Europe I went and, and I was hiking on this trail, trail in the Swiss Alps, right? Beautiful, beautiful. It's kind of like hiking Bear Wallow, right? You get up there, you got cows with bells. It's, it's incredible, only better. Um, 
Um, uh, but I'm hiking this Woods I'm on this trail, I'm by myself going up this trail, and then here comes this group coming down the trail. And so I just kind of step to the side, and they go, and I keep going. And then, I, and then I hear this, Fred Baker? Come from the group. And sure enough, it was a girl I went to high school with, was in this group coming down a trail in the Swiss Alps. Like, not little Switzerland, I mean like Swiss, Switzerland, Switzerland, Alps. And we were on the same trail heading in, the different, dire- in different directions. What are the odds? Well, here's the deal. Today, we're going to see two men. And they don't say, what are the odds? Like, I, I looked, I tried my best to find it in the Greek, and it's not there. But if they knew the expression, that's what they would say. What, what are the odds? Because for them, everything that they've waited for is going to be standing right in front of them. And they're going to have this what are the odds moment. And that's what we're going to see. And what we're going to see is is how Jesus fulfills that in our own life. Jesus takes these things that we're like, there is no way. And yet he meets us there. And in those moments, we go, wow, what are the odds? Right? And so go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be in verses 27 through 31. And, and, and like I said, we're working our way through a series called Questions, where we're looking through the Gospels and, 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 and hearing a few of the questions that Jesus asked. Jesus asked over 400 questions in the Gospel. It was one of his primary ways of teaching. And, and in asking questions, what he would do is he would draw out what people thought and what they believed, because he wanted to show them, the people that followed him, and through them, us, He wanted to show us something that is true about himself. And in doing that, he wanted to show us not only something that is true about himself, not only show us that, but he wanted to help us grow to trust him more and grow to to walk with him more. And, And so what we've seen so far is we've seen the disciples in a boat with him, right? We've seen a woman hiding from him. And in all of those, we've seen Jesus show us something and invite us to trust him more in that, right? Like in the boat, we saw that God is Jesus. We saw him calm the storm and do something that only God can do. And those in the boat with him and those other boats in the water uh, that, that saw Jesus do this got to be invited to follow him as God, right? We saw a woman hiding in the crowd who touched his back and touched the, the tassel on his back. And, and in her, we saw that Jesus sees us. He sees us even when, we're, even when we try and hide and we can trust him to reach out to him because he is real. Is real. Well, and today we're going to pick up right where we left off last week, right? Right after Jesus healed the woman who touched him, right after Jesus healed uh, the, 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 the girl of the religious leader, Jairus, his daughter. And then this happens, right? So look at, look at chapter 9, verse 27. It says, And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him. So so now what Matthew's going to do is he's going to kind of pan out from the the woman and the religious leader. He's going to focus in in the crowd on two other people, two blind men. Uh, Blind means blind, right? They couldn't see. But Matthew also uses this other word, right? He uses this word follows, right? Now, this word followed is often used of Jesus' disciples. Matthew also uses that word when he talks about James and John dropped their nets and followed Jesus. And so these two blind men were very real disciples of Jesus. Now, they weren't the 12 that get a lot of the press and that were really close to Jesus, right? But Jesus had this other crowd around the 12 oftentimes that were disciples of Jesus. They were learning from him, and these two blind men were part of that group of people. They were, they, were, they were listening 
for what Jesus said. They were, they were hearing what miracles he did. And all this time, here's what we know was happening. We know because of what they're about to say next. We know that they were, they were sizing Jesus up, right? They were, they were measuring him up to see if he is all he claims to be. Is he really the Messiah? Is he the one that the prophets talked about for hundreds and hundreds of years? Is he the one that is going to save us? Is he the one that is going to save me? Is what they were wondering. Right? And they make the conclusion after all that they heard, because I can't say saw because they're blind, right? So they hear stories and they, and they hear people being healed. And, and after all that they know and all that they, all that they piece together, they believe that Jesus is the one. Because look at, what, look at what it says in the rest of verse 27. It says, And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us. What does your Bible say? Son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. Now, here's what this term means. And so if, if you're doing the family engagement piece, that's a great thing to fill in the blank with. Son of David. Right? Because what this term means is it is this term drawn uh, from the Old Testament. It is really, in some ways, there what are the odds moment. What are the odds that this guy standing in front of us is who this term represents? Because here's the deal. These guys have been following Jesus, and they realize that Jesus is something more. That Jesus is more. He's more than the prophets of the Old Testament. He's more than the stories that they, that they have heard their parents talk about, more than the more than the, the, the people of the scriptures, that he is the one that all the scriptures point to, that he is, he is more, that this Jesus is the Messiah, and he is the one that the Old Testament promises is going to come. Like, he's the one that Genesis 3 speaks about. When Genesis 3, uh, after, after the fall, and, the, and, and God is telling the curses, and he's, he looks at the serpent, and he says, there will be one who will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. And we know that that is the first whisper of Jesus, the first whisper of the Messiah, that, that the way things are now are not the way things always are going to be. And as the Old Testament unfolds, uh, there's like 500 different verses in the Old Testament, over 500, that point to this coming Messiah. Now, some of them are very specific and some of them are more general, but, but what these blind men do when they use that term is they're declaring publicly that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the one that, that all of these come through, that, that from their experience with him, from their being around him, they realize that he has fulfilled those prophecies, that he has fulfilled some of them, right? Now, we're going to see what, what I mean by some of them, but, but them calling him the son of David is saying that, that, that Jesus is the one that they've been waiting for. And if he's the one that they've been waiting for, here's what it means. It means that they're going to ask him specifically for something that only he can do. It means that they're saying, Jesus, if you are the son of David and if you can have mercy on us, that means there is something that you can do that nobody else has ever done. Right? Now look at how Jesus responds to them after he called them son of David. He said, when he entered the house, the blind man came to him and Jesus said to them, and this is our question for the day, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? That's, that's the question. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, here's the deal with this question, and here's why this question is so powerful. Because, you see, we read this, and here's what we can think real easily, is that the question means, do they think Jesus has the ability to heal blindness, right? Jesus' question is actually implying something more. 
and something deeper, particularly when you see the fact they just called him the son of David. So it's not just Jesus, do you have the ability to do this? It's something, it's something more. There's, there's something else to the question, something deeper, that, that Jesus wants to, to draw something out because he wants to show something, right, so that we can grow to trust him more. Show and grow, that's what these questions do. And Jesus has something here to show us so that we can trust him, so we can grow to trust him more. Because Jesus is asking, not if he has the ability to do it. One, one of the great techniques in Bible study methods is that, is that when, you, when you memorize a verse or you see a verse that's an important verse uh, that you just kinda, God just kind of shines a spotlight on, it's, it's kind of fun to say the verse over and over again, putting the emphasis on a different word. Right, because almost a different meaning comes out. And so, so sometimes we can read this and we think that Jesus is asking, do you believe that I am able to do this? Like the emphasis on able. Well, what if you flip that a little bit and, and, and you put the emphasis on a different word? And the question is, do you believe that I am able to do this? Right, because it, Jesus is asking them if they believe that he is the one who can heal the blind. Right? Can he do what they want? Is he the Messiah or his, is he the Savior? You know, you know, I said that they have seen Jesus fulfill some of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Y'all get this. Because there's one thing they haven't seen Jesus do yet. Or at least they haven't heard of Jesus doing it yet. As a matter of fact, there's one thing that if Jesus can do this, he will be the first in the history of Israel to do that. In the recorded history of Israel, no one has been able to do what they need Jesus to do. Because you see, there's this prophecy in Isaiah. There's actually a couple of them that speak specifically to what, to what the Messiah is going to do, what, what the Savior is going to do, what, what, what Jesus is going to do. And it's this, Isaiah 29 says this. It says, in that day, the deaf shall hear words from a book, and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. Right now, now, these two guys, they're blind. They understand gloom and darkness, right? And they know that they need to see. Even in Isaiah 35, it says, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And so, so it's very clear that this coming Messiah would heal someone from the blind. Here's why this is so cool. And here's why this is so amazing. And here is why this is our question for the day. Because you can read the entire Old Testament and not one person was healed of blindness. Not one. Now here's what's crazy. Like, like, if you look at the prophets of the Old Testament, they were like Jedis with the stuff that they did, right? Like it was, it was cool and it was crazy. Like Elijah, Elisha, like they never healed anybody of blindness. Isaiah, the guy who wrote this, never healed anybody of blindness. Jeremiah didn't. And, and none of them healed anybody of blindness. And here's what we saw in the Old Testament, just to give you some context for how cool and, and amazing God is in the Old Testament, is that we saw the dead raised to life in the Old Testament, right? We saw oil created out of nothing, right? We saw metal float in the Old Testament. We saw we saw uh, skin d disease healed, and we saw skin disease given, by the way, in the Old Testament. We saw, we saw food from heaven. We saw seas divide in half, right? But never the blind healed. Y'all, we even see a donkey talk in the Old Testament. And no one was healed of blindness. And none of that. This miracle 
is saved for the Messiah. Jesus is the only one who can do this. That's what these guys know. This is their what are the odds moment. What are the odds that the only person in the entire world that can do this is standing right here in front of us today? What are the odds? What are the odds that Jesus is the one who can do what no one else has done? Jesus can do something that only Jesus can do. And Jesus is asking them, do they believe this? Do they believe that he, is the one who can do it. In verse 28 and the rest of it, it says this. Look at their answer, because I love it. They said to him, yes, Lord. Like, I love that. There's, there's no, like, Old Testament dissertations. There's no, like, recounting of all the things. It is a very simple answer, yes, Lord. When, 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 if you've been here at Fellowship for a while, uh, part of what I, I try and do every message is, is present the gospel to the person who has never said yes to Jesus for their salvation. And I use the term, say yes to Jesus. This is where that comes from. Right? It's a very simple response. When Jesus asks, do you believe? The answer is very simple. Yes. Yes, Lord. I do. And that's, and that's their answer. Yes, Lord. Now, I remember when I said yes to Jesus, I was a senior in college, right? President of my fraternity, about to be launched into the world as a school teacher, knowing that I wanted to do something other than school teaching. I wanted to teach for a little while, and then I wanted to go into politics. I thought being a city manager would be fun. I thought being a lobbyist would be fun. My definition of fun has changed. Uh, but, but at the time, I thought that would be great fun. And then a friend invited me to church. And at that church, I heard the preacher do what I try and do and open up the Bible and help people understand it and see Jesus all throughout it. And there was one night, because they had a night service for college students, which was highly convenient for a college schedule, um, uh, and it was full of college students, the, 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 the pastor presented the gospel in a very clear way, a way that I had never heard it before, a way that if you've been around church before, you're familiar with it. He walked us through what's called the sinner's prayer, where you admit that, that you have sin, and you admit that Jesus takes away that sin, and, and you pray to accept Jesus. Right? But here's what he did. He walked through it and he goes, y'all, here's, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to have you raise your hand if you say yes. I'm not going to have you come to a counselor uh, and, and talk about that. I'm going to let you realize this is actually between you and God. And if you discern, if you believe that Jesus is asking you to say yes to him, asking you to receive him as Lord and Savior, then, then do that. So here's what I did. I went home that night because I'm the type guy that if you tell me what to do, I'm not going to do it just because you told me to do it, right? Like, like whether it's a good choice or not, I need to make the decision myself to do it. So I took everything he said and I went home that night and I remember laying in bed and I remember thinking before the Lord, I don't even know if I knew how to pray then, but I remember thinking before the Lord and being like, okay, I've got these plans for my life and I think they're pretty good plans, but I know if I say yes to you, I'm giving up those plans. And I'm letting you give me plans. And did I know the Old Testament prophecies? Nope. Y'all, my Bible was the Bible my grandmother gave me when I was a kid that was baby blue and had a zipper all the way around it, right? And, and had those watercolor pictures in it, right? That was my Bible. 
Like, I didn't know any of that. Did I know the depth of my sin? No. Not like I do today. Right? But here's what I knew. I knew I needed a God to be with me. I knew I needed a God to meet me in that room that night. I knew I needed a God who would, who would love me and, and who knew me and wanted better for me than I wanted for myself. That's what I knew that I needed. And, and here's what happened that night as I was laying there. Is as I talked to God about, man, I've got these plans. I don't know that I want to give them up. It was the first time I ever heard God speak to me. And he said, Fred, who better to trust with your plans? I know your past, I know your present, and I know your future. And you don't even know the second ahead of you. And in that moment, that was when Jesus said, in a sense, do you believe that I'm able? Do you believe that I am able to take care of you? Do you believe that I am able to put your life in a direction that you haven't even dreamed of yet? And it was in that moment that I said, yes, Lord. And in that moment, I tried to remember what the preacher said. You know, I need to say that I'm a sinner. I need to say that I accept Jesus as my Savior. I need to do all that. And I did. And here's what else happened, y'all. Immediately, I felt this weight lift off of me. I found out later that that was most likely the weight of sin that I was carrying that I didn't even know was there. And so for you, maybe that's what you need, is you need your yes, Jesus moment. You need to say yes to Jesus, to his promise of eternal life with God. Yes to Jesus of his invitation for God to be with you every step of the way. Because that was my moment. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, what do you need today? What do you need in your life that only Jesus can provide? Like, what do you need that, that's bigger than a cup of coffee in the morning or a glass of wine at night? Right? What do you need that's bigger than that? What do you need that only Jesus can, can give you? Because, listen, these guys had specific things that they needed from Jesus. They needed to be healed of their blindness and they believed that Jesus was the only one in the history of the world that would be able to do that. What do you need that only Jesus can give you? What do you need right now? What do you need today? What do you need from Jesus? And here's what we're going to do. We're going to come together and let Jesus ask us this question. And so what we're going to do, we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer right now. Right? We're, we're a little over halfway, about three-quarters of the way through the message, right? And we're going to stop, and I want you to ask that question, what do you need from Jesus right now that only Jesus can give you? And is it, is it salvation? Do you need to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, acknowledging that he is the Messiah, he is your Savior, he is your Lord, and you can put your life into his hands, and they are in the safest place possible? Or for those of us who have already done that, what are you bringing into your life right now? What weight are you carrying that Jesus can carry much better than you? What anxiety do you have? What, what pain do you have? And y'all, as I was praying for this, this morning in particular, as I was praying, I had this picture come to my head of, of people with pain in their lives, like physical pain. Right? But physical pain that doctors haven't been able to diagnose. Much like the woman, right, from last week. 
She saw every doctor and no one could help. Maybe that's because the pain in your body is connected to a pain in your soul that only Jesus can fix. Maybe there's a grudge that you're holding, right? And and Jesus needs to carry that because here's the deal. You're the one in pain and you will never hear from the person who offended you what you want to hear from them. You just won't. And you need to let Jesus give you a better answer. And you need to let go of that pain and let go of that anxiety and let go of that worry to experience what only Jesus can give you. Freedom. Freedom. And maybe you need, maybe you need something like that today. Or maybe yours is just small. Like, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I've been asking Jesus for. Next week... I am picking up my mom in Texas and driving her to Boise, Idaho so she can spend the winter at my sister's house. I haven't done a road trip with my mom since I was like 12, right? And never in the driver's seat, right? And there's a lot surrounding uh, my mom right now. She's getting older. We're trying to figure out what to do, and I'm asking Jesus to guide us in this. I'm asking Jesus to guide me and my sister so we can make the best decisions for my mom. And so what you bring to Jesus to carry doesn't have to be this big lofty thing. It could be something as simple as that. And so what I'm going to do is give us a minute to pray and to listen to the Holy Spirit. What does he want to take from you? And then I'm going to ask us this question. Do you believe that Jesus is able to do this? Right? I'm going to ask you that. And then our response, if you're willing, it's going to be their response. Yes, Lord. And that'll be our amen. Right? So, so let's do that. Let's just take a minute and let's listen to the Spirit. What is it that you need to give to Jesus? What is it that, that you need healing in and healing from that only Jesus can give you? And what I want you to do is I want you to, in your head and in your heart and in your soul, I want you to acknowledge that need before Jesus. And like these blind men did, I want you to, to declare in your spirit, in your mind, what it is that you need. And so church, I ask you the question, do you believe Jesus is able to do this? If so, then say, yes, Lord. Amen. Now, this is a good, he can do all things. That's right, Billy. Now, this is a good place to stop a message, but their story isn't done, which means we're not done, right? Because these blind men have more to give us, right? More to show us about Jesus, All right, look at verse 29. Verse 29 says this. And then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. In other words, according to your faith means because you believe. Because they see Jesus as the only one who can help, they get to see Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Right? Something no other prophet has done because they see Jesus as the one who can do that. They get to, y'all, they get to be the fulfillment of the prophecies that they've heard about. That Jesus is going to heal the blind. They get to be the, the blind that are healed. And, and by the way, they're not the only ones. Jesus is going to heal other blind people as well. But, but here's what we can see from them. 
that, that when y'all all just went to Jesus with something, some of, some of them big and some of them deep and some of them small, but we all went to Jesus with something and we responded, yes, Lord. Now, now here's the deal. Jesus might do what only he can do, and that means he will do it sometimes in expected normal ways and sometimes in completely unexpected ways. Here's what we have to remember. We just have a snapshot of these guys' lives, and they have been waiting for this Messiah their entire life. Since someone first told them what blindness is, they've known that their hope rested in Jesus. The nation of Israel has been waiting for him for hundreds and hundreds of years for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And as we wait, what we're going to see with these blind guys is what do we do while we wait? Now, some of you are going to leave this place freer than you walked in. But some of you, you've given something to Jesus that is going to take Time And so what do we do? Well, we get to do what these guys did. Look at verse 30. It says, it says so according to your faith, it'll be done to you. And their eyes were opened. Y'all, they got to see. That's what Jesus did for them. These guys get to see and they became the fulfillment of the prophecies that they knew. Their eyes were opened. So church, listen to me on this. For you to see Jesus do what only he can do, You need to keep your eyes open to what Jesus is doing, right? To see Jesus at work, you must see the work that Jesus does. And here's what I mean by this. Have you ever heard the story of the guy that was stuck on the roof during the flood, right? He's up on the roof. The flood waters start rising. Now, some of you, this will be very... uh, applicable uh, if for those of you who live in the Canton area and, and, um, and some of the loss there has been tragic. But, but this story is a guy sitting on his roof and he prays that God would save him from the flood. Right? And what happens is before the flood waters arrive, his friends come by and say, hey, come with us. Hop in the truck. We'll take you out. No, no, no. God's going to save me. So he's up on the roof praying as the flood waters rise. God, save me from the flood. And, and a boat comes by. Hey, get in the boat and we can take you. No, 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 God's gonna save me. And then the flood waters get to the roof, right? And a helicopter comes and says, climb up the rope and get in the helicopter. And he says, no, 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 God's gonna save me. And then the flood waters come and he dies, right? And he gets to the pearly gates. That's where you know this is a story because he gets to the pearly gates. And who's always at the pearly gates in a story? Peter, right, right? And so he asks Peter, he's like, why didn't God save me? And God comes in and says, actually, I sent you your friends, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter. See, the point of the story is, sometimes God's miracles are in the most normal of things, right? And our job is to watch Jesus work in the mundane, miraculous work that he does, right? Because, y'all, we can miss the work of Jesus when we expect Jesus to work in only one specific way, right? Now, I told you I'm, I'm, uh, we're trying to navigate things with my mom, and I've been praying for that. And here's what's happened is I've been praying for that. People have just started telling me stories about how they've cared for their parents and, and the stuff that they've had to do and the sacrifices that they've made and the joys coming from that. So I have all these voices coming to me and, and God speaking through them in different ways. Now, here's the deal. If I just waited for some revelation from heaven, I wouldn't learn a thing from the people around me. But I believe that God is speaking to me through them. 
And he can do the same for you. He can do the same uh, for, for, for whatever it is that you just took to, him, took to him. And now you get to watch him work in the most unexpected and oftentimes the most normal of ways. The, the, the word of encouragement from the friend can be a gift from the Lord to carry on to the next day, right? Like there's all these things that can do that. And so what do you need from Jesus? What is the thing that that only he can do? Well, then we can keep our eyes open and watch him work. And then here's the deal. Here's where I love how their story ends because now we get to see is you get to give yourself some grace in this. Because look at what Jesus asked them to do and then look at what they do. Look look at this in, in the rest of verse 30. It says, and their eyes were open and Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. Right? But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. I was reading this, and I, for all, there has been a long time where I've been like, what in the world? And one commentator said this, which, which I was like, aha, okay, I can hold on to that. He said this, a new faith isn't always an obedient faith. <laughs> right? A new faith isn't always an obedient faith. Y'all, we're all growing in our faith. And here's what that means. It means you're going to miss the mark. It means you're going to miss up. And that's the joy of our gospel. Did you know that shampoo comes with instructions? Right? It says, it says this. It says, it says wet hair, important for shampoo, unless this whole dry shampoo thing. Like, I haven't looked at the instructions on that. But, but wet hair, lather, and then it gives these two words, which I don't think anybody ever does. Do y'all know what the two words are? Rinse and repeat, right? Nobody rinses and repeats. Actually, I looked at the shampoo bottle we have, and it doesn't have that anymore. They've just finally given up, I guess. But, but, but here's why I say that. Because a new faith isn't always an obedient faith, y'all. We are going to miss up. We are going to miss Jesus. We are going to miss uh, seeing the miraculous and the mundane. We are going to miss the mark, and we are going to miss up. But that's why we have the gospel, that's why we have Jesus. Y'all, y'all saying yes to Jesus doesn't mean we're going to get everything right. And actually, let me set you free. It doesn't mean you have to get everything right. Jesus got everything right. That's kind of the point. The expectation isn't on you to get it right. The expectation is on you to go to him. That's the expectation. Right? And so here's the deal with Jesus and the gospel, the forgiveness and grace that Jesus gives you in saying yes to Jesus. That is a rinse and repeat grace and forgiveness, right? You can do it often and often and often again. We get to go back as many times as we need, sitting before Jesus, learning and discerning what we need next. Because here's the deal, our Jesus never tires of us. He is the parent that never gets tired of us. He is the parent that loves when his children come to him, no matter what they've done. That is our Jesus. And so maybe for you, you said yes to Jesus as your Savior. Or maybe you need to do that, and today can be the day to do that. Right? Yes to a good and right and personal relationship with the God who loves you. But for those of us who have done that, right? We still need Jesus to meet us today, right? With anything that we can bring to him. And so what do you need from him that only he can do? Let me ask you, church, do you believe that he is able to do that? I do too. What would happen? What would happen 
if we believe that together. If we believe that Jesus could carry whatever we brought to him, that Jesus could carry our addiction, he could carry our pain, he could carry our sorrow, he could carry all of it. What would happen is, is, is y'all, we would be a people who are lighter. We would be a people who worship. We'd be a people who see Jesus for who he is. I want to be those people. Do y'all want to be those people? Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we trust you. And we trust you when we're sad. We trust you when we're happy. We, we trust you. We trust you when we don't know what it is that you're doing or what it is that you're going to do. We trust you. And we trust you when life isn't working and we trust you when life is working. We trust you. And Father, we trust you when all we can do is say, I trust you. And I pray that in doing that, we would get to see you do what only you can do. In Christ's name I pray, amen.